All right, we have this election on Tuesday. How are we feeling? How are you feeling? You're feeling how? Horrible. How many are feeling horrible? I don't like Okay, you're feeling good. How many are feeling how many are feeling excited? Okay, a couple. How many are feeling really worried? Oh, a little more. How many are worried or concerned that, you know, things might explode? Okay, there we I found it. I found where you are. You know, uh, we used to live in Orlando, Florida, and that means that we spent a lot of time at Disney World, okay? And there's this one part of Disney World called Epcot Center. In fact, we actually homeschooled at, Di- at Epcot Center um, because if you go down there, if you ever spend any time there, Epcot Center is this part of this enormous complex, and there's this big bay or waiting pool, and it's, it's, really, it's really quite marvelous because you can go and you can walk around and visit countries but just by walking around this path. So you can walk around these paths, and they call it the Tapestry of Nation. If you're, if you're there at night, they have a special ceremony every night where there's this globe, and there's just some wonderful artistry. You see these projections of different cultures all on this globe, all different kinds of things that are, are, are around the world. You see the different peoples in different countries, and it's so inspiring, and you think, like, wow, you know, it's, it's a small world after all, and all of these great things. And then and all these people are gathered around the middle, in the middle of this dark. The globe rolls, I don't know why they do this. It's like Disney has to have pyrotechnics or something. The globe rolls down into the water and then explodes into fire. And then everybody around the waiting pool, every, I mean, around the reflecting pool, they all start cheering. It's like, ah! and all this, cra- this crazy crowd, it's like crazy, and they're clapping. And I'm sitting there wondering among all these people, like, what's the message here? You know, this world, this is supposed to be the world. It just rolled down and exploded, you know, and my little kid is pulling on my sleeve and asking me, it's like, Daddy, why is everyone, why is everyone clapping? I had to say at that moment, you know, I, I think the message here is that different countries, different governments have different strengths, but when it comes right down to it, none of them can keep the world from exploding <laughs> every night, I guess, here at Epcot Center. <laughs> so uh, that's a message that I think um, might be relevant for us today. We need some advice. I I think we need some advice about this election. And actually, I think the best place in the Bible, I've found it, the best place to get this advice is from the book of Daniel, the ancient Old Testament book of Daniel. That's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at this certain time period. The time is 550 BC. Okay? The place is along the Euphrates River. And Right then, it was a really momentous year. It was uh, a a politically very uh, turning point year for really the whole world there around the ancient Near East because that was the the year when the son of Nabonidus, his name was Belshazzar, he started to rule or kind of co-rule with his father, in the great Neo-Babylonian Empire. His name was Belshazzar, and he came to rule. Another thing that happened in that year, also that went on, was the great king of the Persian king of Anshan conquered 
the Median Empire, and, the, and he entered into the capital at Akmitha, and he took over, and he inherited uh, this great Persian empire, this great Persian king, Cyrus. He inherited the vast Median Empire. So all sorts of things were changing that year. It was politically very active. And on the shores of Euphrates, the ancient Hebrew prophet, he's kind of ancient now. He's in his 70s, 900 miles from his homeland, still in exile, seen a number of things go down. He's there. He gets a vision. It's a very strange vision. It's, it's so strange and so bizarre. It spurns a whole literature called apocalyptic. And that's where we're going to get our advice this morning, from that place. So if you're able to, please stand with me as I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version, the original, from 1984. They did a great job here in translating. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 18. You can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen. Again, Daniel, beginning chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man and had the The heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. And I was, while I was thinking about the horns, there was before me another horn, a little one, which came up from among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. 
The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words of the horn the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the true meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. But the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom and possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please make yourself comfortable. As we address this passage, and kids, this is a doodle Sunday like no other doodle Sunday. (laughs) You know what you're going to draw. Get ready. You have got to draw these four different kingdoms, these four different images in this beast, uh, beast, beastly array. Okay? You ready? You're already at it. Ah, looking good, looking good. Take your time with these. Make sure that you get all the details about these, these, these beasts. All right, what do we have? Well, we have this vision of Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar, not to be confused with Belshazzar, the prophet Belteshazzar, as he was known. We know him as Daniel. He has this arresting vision And the first thing he sees is this lion with wings. And then wings get cut off, and he stands up almost like a man. He's given like some heart. And then there's this rabid, man-eating bear, right? And what's probably being envisioned there is one of these Syrian bears. They got big, the Syrian bear, and they were voracious, you know? So this makes sense that you see what's in his mouth. He's, He's still eating this voracious bear. That's probably what... Daniel saw there. Then this winged leopard with too many heads. And then some beasts that is apparently indescribable, except that he has these iron teeth that are clenching. So four different things there. And we're given the interpretation in verse 17. These four animals are four governing administrations that are going to rise, right? And it seems that the point of this vision comes with the last thing, not the four, but the fifth one that comes after that, this final kingdom that isn't going to be ever, ever going to pass away. And, you know, it's generally recognized, if you read the whole book, you can kind of see that these four kingdoms can, can be identified. The first one is Babylonia. The second one is Persia, the great Medo-Persian empire. The third is Greece, and the fourth is Rome. 
And you can get a sense of this easily if you read the whole book and, you know, put things together. It's one of the things that you got to do if you're going to try to interpret this is to realize you go all through the books. There's this other vision in chapter 2 of a statue. It's the, it's the same thing. It's got four parts, and then it's broken down by a rock of something more solid. You go in chapter um, 9, and there's these... And there's these uh, two of the middle kingdoms are clashing. You go into these other parts of the book in, in chapter 11, I think it is, and you have these four winds um, that are going on. So all this you put together, and you can see what they are. If you don't do that, you don't get with the repetition of, uh, of the message, you can come up with some really kind of kooky theories. Like, Gadzooks, you know, the bear must be Russia. Or, you know, the world's going to end in 1994, you know. Uh, not really what's going on here in the book. And what's staggering is that these things actually occurred. Um, but let me ask you, as, as we look at these, these first four governments, what do they have in common? What would you say, reading what is what is it, one thing, they're all very different, but what do they share? What would you say? Anybody? Anybody know? What would you say they had in common? Something. They're all beasts. Very good. It's like a zoo, right? They're all beasts. What's another thing that they have in common? One thing they all have in common, besides being beasts, what would you say? Yeah? I'll make good what? Okay. She's, she's got some vision here of what's going on. But how about, what else? What else could we say? What's something that's common? Yeah, what do they have? All right, if you're going to raise your hand, you have to give me an answer. <laughs> They're animals with things that are different. That's right. They're bizarre, okay? It's not just a zoo, it's a circus, right? There, there is something real there, but it's not quite natural, right? It's not, it, there's something weird. It's off. It's like a hybrid. It's a, it's, a, it's a morph of some kind. So they're all animals, and they're all bizarre. And that, friends, is a contrast that's being drawn, I think, for us with the fifth kingdom, because what's the fifth kingdom? The fifth kingdom is the kingdom of the Son of Man. The fifth kingdom is a human kingdom. You see the contrast. What you've got is this kind of zoo. You've got this circus of, of different administrations, and then you've got the real thing. You've got the human kingdom. And, and this was the coinage, the visual coinage, these different kinds of beasts that were around in the 6th century B.C. This is uh, very much... What was going on here is visually what they kind of trafficked. And you see in the cylinder seal, seals that, you, that we have collections of them, of agate uh, cylinder seals and chalcedony, and, and, and they have these griffiths on them. And it's, it's the kind of thing that they were used to. But God is using that cultural form there. He always, he always mediates eternal truth through a cultural form. And he does, in this case, too, to give us an important message, a contrast. He's making a sly point here. He's saying, you have these different kingdoms that are going to arise, Daniel. 
But all of them, no matter how good they are, compared to the real thing, they're, they're beastly. They're beastly. God does that, you know. He always takes cultural forms in order to express his truth. You know, it's not like uh, when he wants to reveal something, it drops out of the sky, like in the Koran. In the Bible, it's a very different picture. It works differently because we work differently. But God always says, I'm going to use what, what you have in your culture to speak my truth to you. And this is what he's using there. He's taking these strange hybrid beasts and he's saying there are going to be these administrations coming and then there's going to be one that will be the real kingdom, that will be the human kingdom. And this is there to give Daniel hope, you see? He's trying to give Daniel hope that all these things that he's going to see, this guy who's still in exile after all these years, hoping for a restoration of the true kingdom. He says it's going to come, and it's going to be a great contrast to what you're seeing here. So he makes this very sly point. Now, I would suggest to you, friends, today that even today we have that, we have that contrast, that God meant that contrast to continue for us today, that Daniel's Neo-Babylonian vision here is still true. You know, I was walking around the Epcot Center with my family as we were going around, and we, it's, it's wonderful. You, know, wonder, you, you wonder, where have all the artists gone? Well, I'll tell you, they're down in Orlando working for Disney. I mean, it's just so beautiful the way they lay it out. And you can walk from different country to country. So you can go into China, and they have this just, just arresting architecture and art, and it's so, it's so beautiful. And you go in, they give you a presentation, the best of the country, and they show you, you know, in China, we have things that are ancient, things that go back a long time in our dynasties. But we're also looking to the future with our technology. It's really great in China. So China is the land where the past meets the future in the present. And you think, wow, that sounds really deep. You know, it's like, what a message. Yeah, the past is meeting the future in the present. Until... You walk down the path to the next country, and you go to, like, Canada. And Canada has this great display, and it says, you know, in Canada, we have Eskimos, but we also have discos and a great nightlife, you know. It's Canada is the place where the past meets the future in the present. And you're like, didn't I hear that somewhere before? That's like, it seems like a great message. Then you go to the next place, like Morocco and, you know, Luxembourg. They have these different countries you go to. They're all great. But then you find out that they all have the past happening. All have this, they're looking to the future. They have all this great heritage. It's all there, there where the past meets the future in the present. And you're like, wait a second. They all really come down to the same thing. They're all giving us the same message. And, you know, that message that we got walking around Epcot Center, that's the same message that Daniel is giving us here, that you have different distinctives in different administrations that are going to rise up. There are, some are going to be strong in one area. Some are going to be strong in another area. But in the end, friend, they're all beastly compared to the real thing. In the end, it's a circus. In the end, it's a zoo compared to the government of the Son of Man. That's the vision here that he's getting. So, whatever animalistic hybrid 
you have, it doesn't compare to what God is building in the real humane kingdom. The humane kingdom, the, hum the real kingdom of humanity has to be built without human hands. So what is that? What is this fifth one? The government of the Son of Man. Okay? And children, you're going to be drawing a happy kingdom as we talk about this. What is this government of the Son of Man? Well, you look at this here. Verse 9. Okay, the verse 9, the ancient rabbis were really troubled by the fact that there are thrones here. It's plural. Okay? That, was, that, was, that caused the puzzle because you have the Ancient of Days come out and he has this long white hair and it's obviously God, right? This is the Ancient of Days coming out. He's God. And yet there's, there's another throne and you have this other guy come. Hi, folks. You have this other guy, the Son of Man comes out, right? And he's, yet he's the King of Kings. You look at verse 14. He's given this sovereign power. Right? Sovereign power. That seems to be something that God should have, right? And it's given to this other character, right? So the problem if you're a monotheistic Jew. And look at that, verse 14. All people worship him. All people are worshiping him, right? How could that be? How could you have another character besides God with, with people worshiping him? That's very confusing. Unless that guy is God, right? So this was a puzzle. It was a puzzle for the ancient commentators. They didn't understand how this could be, how you could have the Ancient of Days, or yet, yet there's another throne, how you could have this second guy. It remained a puzzle until hundreds of years later, a prophet arose from Nazareth, and he took this very title for himself. And only he took it only he called himself this, because none of the apostles, none of the early church called, called him this. Only he called him, him, this himself, the Son of Man, and his name was Jesus Christ. And, and he said, I'm the Son of Man. You know Daniel's vision? I'm that guy, and I'm here to set up the humane kingdom. And he, he went about setting up a new government in a way. A new, a new administration. It was a human kingdom. He went about in this kingdom showing us what true humanity was meant to look like. He was showing us what it was to be under true human leadership, human, human goals, human, human settings, human, human ends. What it was like to be really human. And he ruled this. He made different rulings. And it started to show respect for the individual. He brought actual healing to people's bones instead of this crunching that happens in, in, in governments where your bones get crunched like the bear. And so you take the different things that he said. Like he made a ruling on the Sabbath. Remember a few days ago, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how the Sabbath was so important in the Gospels. And Jesus came along and said, let me make you, I will give you a new ruling about the Sabbath. Here is what it should be. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
It suddenly turned everybody's minds around. They realized, ah, I see it now. This is the humane understanding of the commandment. I see how the commandment works now. It's actually working for us rather than against us. It's a more human ruling. Then he took something like divorce. And he said, I'm going to give you a ruling about divorce. And, you know, that was, that was controversial in the first century. There was a big debate going on among the rabbis. Some rabbis were very strict, and they said, never any divorce. Other rabbis were very lax, and they said, you know, you know, a wife burns your dinner, you could get a divorce, you know. It was very, and there was, this, there was this battle going on. Jesus came along, and he said, he actually fell on the strict side. He said, um, divorce is forbidden, very stringent about not disallowing divorce. Now, he had his exceptions. He said there are exceptions where it's righteous. But he was very, very strict about that divorce. You say, well, how is that more human? Well, it's more human because he was looking at what this would do to society if you made divorce a lax thing, if you allowed it. And he was looking to save the children of that society from destruction because he was well acquainted with the carnage that results. Uh, from a broken marriage. So even in that, he's looking forward to what makes for what, what's better for the humanity of a people. And we could talk about different things, but this is the way he is governing. He's, he's, other kingdoms are going to eventually chew you up like a bear that arises with the ribs of his last meal in his mouth. But the kingdom of the Son of Man is building something different. Something where you find what it truly means to be human. Something where you are treated humanely. That's the vision. And that's what Jesus brought it forward, how Jesus brought it forward to us and realized that we're still actually dealing with this today. What does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to take on that vision for ourselves? What would it mean for us this week to take this vision into our lives today? Well, let me give you three things. Three, three, uh, three applications here, three ways in which that would come forward for us. Number one, to live in this kingdom more human. It would mean you switch your perspective on which is the real thing that's going on. Which is the thing of import that's actually going to make the most difference in people's lives. Right? It's a switching of perspective. Because we tend to think it's just the opposite, right? We tend to think that what we hear on the news, what's going on in the news in the, in the political sphere, that's the real thing. That's the real place of import, right? And what goes on in church, you know, that's just, um, you know, uh, artificial. Or that's something extra that we have in our lives. Maybe, maybe we have it in our lives, maybe not. But this vision is saying no, because the government of the Son of Man is now administrated through the church. This is the way he's building this, this new administration, this new kingdom. It's through the church. And so this vision would say to us, <clears throat> actually, what's really important, you should be giving more thought to the elections in here, <laughs> to your leadership in here. I'll give, I'll give you a clue. Don't, don't elect announcement man. You should be paying attention to, to your relationships in the church. Like that is where the real stuff is going on that is really going to make an, that's really going to affect people's lives. Focus in 
on your church citizenship, you should be asking yourself, in this switch of perspectives, where does your enthusiasm go? What are you enthusiastic about? Are you, are you more enthusiastic about your citizenship in the church? Are you, are you looking for, say, how can I spend my energy for my church? Where is my area of service that I could give myself to the government of the Son of Man here? What are the venues that my church has given me to serve? Is that, that becomes more important to you even than your political work? It's kind of like this, you know, when I, I was one time, I was, I was called to testify in a court case. It was a civil court uh, case. Yeah, it was a divorce case. It was awful. It was terrible, a terrible experience. But I remember when I was uh, called to be sworn in, and I went in, you know, and I put my hand on the Bible, and I raised my hand, and they still do that, or they still did that then. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I put my hand on the Bible, and I raised my hand. And I swore it, and I remember they, they said, you got to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. I remember thinking, this is what I thought, honestly, this is what I thought. I better not lie in here. <laughs> hey, this is serious. This is really serious. This is where I better, 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 better tell the truth. Actually, what Daniel is telling us is that it's the opposite. And we feel like that's where it's the serious thing. You know where you better tell the truth? In here. In here, you better be honest with one another. You know why? Because the government of the Son of Man is here. And this this king has far more authority and power over your life than you realize. Far more. It's going to matter a big, big difference, makes a big difference to him. Matters a great deal whether you're telling the truth to your brother and sister. In that case makes a big difference. Maybe the church doesn't have that much power. He hasn't given us that much power. But the one over the church has a tremendous amount of power over your life. This is where it really matters. So anyway, that's number one. Number one is to switch your perspective about what's the more real kingdom? What's the more, more place of import in what's going on in the world? That's number one. Number two, it's a comfort it's a comfort for you when you feel like your ribs are being crushed in the mouth of the bear. When you feel like you're being chewed up by the current administration, you have hope for another kingdom being built. And this is very important on Tuesday. If the election does not go in the way that you think it should go, and you're, and you're sitting there thinking, why is my country so beastly? You got to know. This any country, actually, however good it is, it, it's, it's beastly compared to the real thing. This is not the place. It, no, no government ends up being able to escape being something of the nature of a beast. And it's morphed of the city of God. So there's no government that it's really going to be able to. You notice in all of this, in this whole vision, the judgment comes upon each one of these. So there's no earthly government that will be able to keep you eventually from destruction. No earthly government can keep the world really from bursting into flames, just like at the Epcot Center. Real true picture that was given there. So the kingdom of the Son of Man is your place of refuge. This is where you come to learn to be what it is to be human. This is, this is where you come to learn 
um, how to be humane. And you, this is where you're, you come for human treatment. It's at church. Now, I know some of you might say, hey, I didn't, I didn't have good treatment at the church. I was treated badly by my, by my church. I didn't feel like it was more humane. I don't deny that there's some less than human stuff that goes on in churches somehow, sometimes. I don't deny that that happens. But you notice that when that happens, that's when it's the most shocking. You know, it happens in another organization, an abuse of power or misuse of authority. You say, oh, yeah, I kind of expected that. It happens in a government. You say, I kind of expected it. But when it happens in a church, that's when you're shocked, right? That's when it's almost, it's almost traumatic for you. Why? Because this is where you know, you know this is where it's supposed to be human. This is where humane treatment is, is supposed to be modeled for us. That's why it's so, much, so disturbing when it doesn't happen, right? Let me tell you something. I've visited and been in contact with scores of churches now just from this job. And I've been, I've been personally active in about 20 of them. And I can tell you, all different traditions, I see the model in the church. I do see Christ building a new humanity in the church. I see glimmers of it through the church. This really is the place where the Ancient of Days is crowning the Son of Man. He really is being crowned in our midst here. And we can see glimmers of it here. It's where, it's where the hope is. And you know, we have a great example of it right here in this church last Tuesday night. Those of you who tuned in, you, you know what we got last Tuesday night? We got a taste of the government of the Son of Man. We got a taste of the difference between our earthly system and the kingdom, the kingdom of the Son of Man. When, when Dave came in and Ryan came in and disagreed, really disagreed on this mask issue, and yet they treated each other with respect and even love. What were you seeing? You were seeing the government of the Son of Man. You were seeing a more humane treatment of a very difficult issue. And it was a beginning. It was the beginning of a conversation. You know, um, we couldn't get to everything there. And by the way, if you, if you text in a question, thank you. You know, we did get a lot of questions. And I had to go quickly, try to go quickly through them. I don't know how good a job I did there, but um, if you didn't get your question asked, I'm sorry, but you know what? They're here. You can still talk to them. Actually, they're here, here. Dave, raise, raise your hand. Ryan, come on, raise your hand. There. Raise it higher. Come on. They're right there. In fact, they're not, they're not too far away from each other. You can actually talk to them. They're eminently reasonable, guys, especially if you're on the other side. They want to talk to you. They're ready to talk to you. And they're just reasonable to talk to. I know that a number of you, after that evening, that's what you felt like. You felt like, you know, I could talk to that person on the other side from me. That Maybe that extended family member. You know, maybe we could actually have an exchange. Maybe they're trying to. And you know, if that did that for you, that was the purpose. It was to open up conversation with one another. That's a taste. That's a taste. And this was a gift that these guys gave us that night. They showed us a vision of the government, of the Son of Man, a more human engagement. Okay, so that's number two. And number three, 
it allows us to have purpose in our voting. Allows us to have purpose in our voting. Because you can approach this, this Tuesday with a very different attitude. You know why? If you look at this, clearly, they're all beasts compared to the Son of Man, but there are some that are better than others. You notice that? There's, you get Babylon, you get that lion. And kids, I hope you drew that lion standing up because he was standing up almost as a man. He had a little heart. You notice that? Verse 4 had kind of heart to it. Still a lion, but he was almost standing up on his hind legs. What is that showing us? There are some that are better than others. You know? And that was actually true. Historically, very accurate, this vision. Babylon did better than some of these others, like the Medo-Persian Empire and the Rome. Rome was just brutal on people and their actual lives. If you actually look at people don't often measure it this way, but you actually look at who is pushing back the chaos and who is allowing people a certain amount of peace so they can build their lives. Okay, Babylon was actually pretty good. The Babylonian Empire live under that regime. That's why some of the exiles from Judah, they didn't want to go back at, uh, after a while. But they actually did pretty good. Still a beast. Still a beast in comparison to the Son of Man. But actually, they did pretty good. Some of them did better than others. What gave them that heart? What gave them that little heart from verse 4? Really, it was the exiles from Judah. It was the people of God who were brought into that, and they were brought up in the administration. Daniel went through a number of these different administrations. And one of the rulers there, King Nebuchadnezzar, he recognized that. He saw, you know what? These people from Judah, these people of Yahweh, they are giving us truth here. He recognized that. So the people of God there were called to have an influence in the ways that they could in that government. And that's what you have on Tuesday. You have a chance to make an evaluation. And you make your evaluation. Make it on the basis of which administration is going to be, do better for people. And you can do that, especially with your perspective, coming out of the church as you are. Okay? You can make this perspective. So what does that mean for you on Tuesday? It means you go. You take that responsibility. You make your evaluation. And you vote. And then you put your real confidence in the government of the Son of Man. Because that's the one that's going to last. That's the one that's not going to pass away. That's the one that isn't going to eventually fall into judgment, as inevitably all governments do. This is your confidence. This is, a, this is his kingdom. The one that's not ruled by a circus-like hybrid. And his kingdom is the only thing that is keeping this world from bursting into flames every night. And it's his kingdom. His kingdom is not where the past meets the future and the present. His kingdom is a kingdom that brings healing to the past, healing to your bones rather than crunching your bones, healing to your bones. Makes the present endurable and it makes the future glorious. This is the kingdom of the Son of Man. His dominion is an everlasting kingdom that will not pass away. Amen? Amen. I think you're ready for Tuesday. Will you stand with me?